What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Very successful weekend at Vegas for myself and I think a lot of you all as well. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the NASCAR or the FSWA NASCAR. He's won the award three times. You guys know it. It's Matt Sells. He's really good. He knows his NASCAR stuff. But really, we're heading into a week where nobody knows a damn thing of what we're going to expect at Atlanta. Yeah. Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, right? And this is one of those weeks where... The players are going to play, but I don't know if any of the towns know what the hell they're talking about. I certainly don't. Um, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's a crazy, it's a crazy week. We have no idea what to expect. Uh, those of you playing Truck and Xfinity can't take anything from Truck and Xfinity because the packages on those cars are different than the truck, than the, than the cup cars this week. The track is different than it was last year. The surface is different than it was last year. The banking is different. There's a double yellow line rule because that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, um, I don't know what the hell's going on this week. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, as someone who's had to, who just covers the truck and Xfinity playbooks, I've actually I've kind of relished in the fact that I could still pull from previous data, you know, see who, like, I can at least rely on track history a little more than you could this year. Uh, but it's a blank slate. Um, don't really know what to expect. So Matt and I were talking before the podcast. Don't expect this to be a very long podcast. Um, it's not going to be like focusing on specific drivers just because we don't. It. I think the big thing for this week in Atlanta, <clears throat> it's going to be kind of similar to the past few weeks in the sense that if you show up with the right setup and you're fast in practice, then yes, I will probably get exposure to you. But if if this is meant to race more like a Talladega, a Daytona, where because it's going to be that package and that's and that's the kind of racing they're expecting, then sure, I'll make a couple lineups with that super speedway mentality uh, in mind. But overall, we don't have an absolute clue of what to expect. Yeah, um, I've read a few a few pieces uh, this week. You know, I've been perusing the Twitter sphere. Twitterverse, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it seems like there's some mixed messages, right? Some people are saying, oh, it's just going to race like a normal mile and a half. And then some people are like, well, the package dictates it's going to be, um, you know, like a super speedway. And the fact that, A, there's a double yellow line rule in place indicates to me that Atlanta thinks it's going to race like a super speedway. B, if you look at the odds in Vegas, yeah, Ryan Blaney's the favorite, but it's nowhere near where we've seen Kyle Larson be as the favorite the last three weeks at Auto Club and Vegas. And what are Blaney's Phoenix. odds right now? Blaney's odds, let me pull those up in the DK Sportsbook. I have those open, so let me go ahead and switch from... Because, I mean, I know, um, you know, for Daytona, like, Hamlin was plus 800, so 8-1. to one. So, I mean... Yeah, let me uh, go ahead. And I know and Larson up. the past couple of weeks was like plus four hundred, plus five hundred. And Blaney so, is the favorite at ten to one. Yeah, that's that's super speedway odds. Larson's at ten to one. Logano, Denny Hamlet, twelve to one. Chase uh, Elliott, Kyle Busch, thirteen to one. Bowman, Byron, fifteen to one. Same with Kevin Harvick. Is it so, too yeah. early to tell you who I think wins the race? Um. No, I mean your guess is as good as mine, right? That's all we're doing here. <laughs> guessing right now because there's don't... absolutely there's absolutely no logic to this. Well, there's some logic to it, but it's just the fact that I think Joey Logano probably somehow goes out and wins it, because if you look at 
his two wins since the start of 2021. He won Bristol Dirt. It was a track right. that they had never won at or they had never run. It was it was something brand new to NASCAR. He goes out, he wins it. And Logano they, had basically no dirt experience or no None at all. And and then you look at the clash this year. Brand new track. They built a racetrack inside a football stadium. Joey Logano goes out and wins it. So if it's a new track, new surface, something that we don't know what to expect, I'm going to just say, yeah, Logano's probably going to win it because he's the guy that tends to win these moronic races. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, that's reasonable logic. <laughs> it's not. Um so I will say that we do get two cup practices this week. We get one on Friday, and then we get one on Saturday before qualifying. Um, and then we'll have actual qualifying. So I don't know if we'll get a good sense of what the racing is going to be like in practice, because if it is a super speedway, ain't nobody going to go out there and practice that much because that's not what happens at Daytona or Talladega, right? Mm-hmm. If they expect it to be more like an intermediate, you're going to see everybody running longer, you know, 10 flag, you know, 10 lap runs like they normally do. So um, for the track breakdown this week, I'm going to basically say how Atlanta is different and what we can maybe expect there. Maybe not, you know, kind of get you set up for both um, eventualities, whether it races like an intermediate or a plate track. Um, but there's basically going to be no tables to it this week for those of you that like my tables. And the reasoning behind that is because there's no solid comp to it. I can't comp previous Atlanta races because the racing surface is completely different, right? Old Atlanta used to be like auto club. Can't comp new Atlanta to old Atlanta. It's not a worn out surface. The banking is different. The track is different. Um, I loved old Atlanta. It was great. It was fantastic, but at some point they had to do, they had to, you know, revamp it. I know. Um, and I can't really say that I feel comfortable comping it to Daytona and Talladega because even if it's the same package, this track is a mile shorter than Daytona and 1.16 miles shorter than Talladega. So while it's the same package, it's not the same distance, right? So I don't necessarily feel comfy. Uh, comping it to any of them. So I'll just kind of give you the strategies for both races and the track breakdown. And then, you know, standard content will come out, DFS rankings, early preview on Friday, update those after practice and qualifying. And then the bulk of the stuff is out Saturday uh, with playbook out Saturday, rankings update Saturday, projections update Saturday. Um, I think... My betting piece for NASCAR is going to come out Friday now, I believe, is what the schedule is there. Um, and then price picks on Sunday morning and example lineups on Sunday about you know 90 minutes before lock. Um, but for those of you that did not see in the Discord, there is also now F1 DFS this, uh, this season. DraftKings has launched F1 DFS. And um, for those of you that have been watching Drive to Survive, the Netflix series on uh, F1, first of all, fantastic show. Second of all, if you haven't watched it, you should because you'll get more into F1. Uh, And third of all, if you're interested in playing DFS, uh, I will have a primer piece out on Friday, I believe is what I said. Scoring is so hard to understand. I don't get it. The scoring is (laughs) is a little different. 
luckily I am in a season <clears throat> league with uh, some of our uh, British counterparts that has very similar scoring to that. Um, so I will do a primer on it and then I'll do a basic write up on it some point Saturday. Um, obviously not a full playbook. You know, we're not pulling salaries or whatever. It's going to be a basic write-up. I'll touch on a few guys because, first of all, the fields are only 20 drivers, uh, and several of them are not worth even considering playing at any point during the entire season. So You know what's weird is – so I started watching Drive to Survive about two weeks ago, and I'm halfway through Season 2 right now. And I want to say after I got home about a week ago, I was, I was binging like three or four episodes a night, and I was like, you know, I'm really into this. It's great. But I can only imagine, like, I don't get how they would do DFS for this because there's only 20 drivers. There are clearly some back markers. Yes. Um, it's, and I don't want to equate it to ARCA, but it's the size of an ARCA field. Basically. It, it's like 20 drivers. And, it's, and the, it doesn't even sound like they'll ever expand on that. They like that it's just yep. 20 of, like, the most elite drivers in the world. Or the guys that can pay for their seats with millions <clears throat> of dollars of sponsorship, yeah. but yeah. And it's just absolutely insane. And it's like, you know, qualifying is huge in F1 because you yeah. obviously need to qualify as close to the front as possible because if you're qualifying, like, P9 or P10, you're basically kind of just hoping that you can move up three, four, maybe get a top five finish because right. that's – Basically, if you're not finishing in the top five, you're not really collecting, like, valuable owner's points. So it's like a P9 for, you know, the occasional, uh, I don't know, like, Ryan Sieg. Like, we kind of celebrate that <laughs> in Xfinity. But that's a death sentence, apparently, in F1. Yeah, so you only really get points if you finish in the top ten. If you finish 11th, you get zero points for your efforts. Congratulations. Nice try. Let's do it again next week. Um the, you know, there's no credit for fastest laps. Like, the, nobody gets credit for every lap being the fastest. Only one guy gets credit for the fastest lap run the entire race. So late in the races, you'll see guys, uh, I'm going to say box because that's what they call it. It's the same as pitting. Um, you'll see guys pit to get new tires and then go out and run. Um, just try to haul ass and run for the fastest lap because they get championship points for fastest laps um so it's i'll have a primer on that um and whatnot i think it's it's pretty interesting um for those Can of I you have that one more question know? yeah all right so on the first two seasons of drive to drive to survive i didn't really watch any of the racing last year i just literally started watching this show two weeks ago and bubble wallace's race is his show called called race right next on my list but so the last two F1 seasons have started in Melbourne or it, where I'm at uh, the yes. first two seasons. When did it change to Bahrain? I believe this season <clears throat> oh, okay. is the first one that it's changed. They, they kind of update it based on schedule and timing and um, whatnot. But yeah, it's going to start at Bahrain. They don't have races every week. Um, so there's 23 this year. There's 23 races. Um, sorry, 22 races. Um, or what they call rounds on the schedule. And it goes, it'll start this weekend with the Bahrain, uh, Bahrain GP. And then it'll end, the championship is usually like the Sunday before Thanksgiving here. Um, Abu but Dhabi. they fit, uh, yeah, it'll be back at Abu Dhabi. Um, so they fit 22 races between now and 
two weeks after the NASCAR season ends. So there's not a race every weekend. Like, there's a race this weekend, a race next weekend, and then they don't race in Australia until, like, the 7th of April. So, like, obviously, they're jet-setting. They're going all around the world. Um, there's two races in the U.S. One of them's at COTA, and one of them's in Miami in the Hard Rock Stadium parking lot. Um, one of the, There's races in Mexico City. There's one in Montreal in June. So they go all over the place, Brazil, Europe, all over. So, uh, I will have coverage for that as long as DK has uh, contests for it. So, uh, so we've got that. That'll, of course, obviously be free as well. But, yeah, so coming back to Atlanta, uh, again, I, I don't know where else to go with this. I mean, we... What about bankroll management this week? Uh, play it very lightly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like we were talking before the podcast, you have upped it now to ten. So initially, like just I was only in the happy like, hour. I was just. I'm only playing the happy hour because it's one dollar per entry. I did really good last week between MMA and Phoenix. I played cash at the cup level for the first time in God knows how long. Did very well in cash, um, and so I don't want to like blow last week's success on a track that I don't that we don't know what to expect. It's a new car that yeah, we already went through all the changes. And so I'm only doing 10 lineups because I always like to play the example lineups that I put forth in the truck and Xfinity playbooks, um, both of which will probably be out Saturday morning after I can get a look at practice. But, you know, so I'm going to do just 10 happy hour contests for the truck Xfinity cup. That's $30 total. I'm happy with that. And then, uh, I don't know, go heavier next week. What's next week, Coda? Coda. Yeah. Coda's next week. Uh, and hope to God it's not raining again and we actually get to see what this track can do because Coda sure. is a phenomenal racetrack. I'm just kind of – and it kind of irritated me that <clears throat> Fox used the for the trailer used Martin Truex Jr. absolutely pile driving. Um, who the hell did he pile drive last year? Cole Custer. Yeah. He absolutely – like they used it in the promo for the race. I'm like, what? Why are we celebrating like a massive like where we all thought somebody died, right? Like, you know what? That was not cool. Um, so yeah, so next week is is Coda again, a little I guess more predictable. I don't know. It's a road course. It's at least a road course. You can it's, and it's tell like you. we know the strategy there. There's fewer laps. And by the way, for those of you that wanted to give me crap about Chase Elliott, yeah, it looked terrible for like 98% of that race. And then his pit crew bit him and had a terrible Did he still get like 6x value? Did he? I mean, I guess he had an okay day. I don't know. He wound up finishing pretty far back, I thought. He was, I mean, if he's 6x, he's worth it. But also, by the way, uh, he hasn't won an oval race since his championship in 2020. He literally didn't win an oval race. He was. Oh, God. Um, here's one thing I'm going to complain about DraftKings. It's like when you go to the driver profile, they post yeah. the salary of what he was last week for the post-qualifying slates. Oh, really? So in his I profile, think he was 10, I think he was like 10-3. 10-3 or 10-4. I can check. I can and he put up 69 points. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I yeah, guess so his I, profile says right. he was 11,000. So, I mean, he led right, 50 was... laps, 36 fastest laps, and he finished 11th. Yeah, I mean, okay, 
So that's a solid day. He did fade. He did fade in the end. Um, so, you know, but I just wanted to point it out that he actually has not won a race on an oval since his championship. And mm-hmm. uh, he was 10-7. <laughs> what if he wins Atlanta? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. It's his home track. It is technically his home track. Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Um, and if it drives more like Talladega, good for him because he does better at Talladega than Daytona. Um, but again, we have no earthly clue as to whether or not that's actually going to happen. So we'll have to watch uh, practice and see what they do, see what the drivers are telling us, what it uh, feels like it's uh, going to be in line for. And then, yeah, you'll see in the playbook that I'll probably make mention of guys that are good at both intermediates and um, and plate tracks. One guy I'll toss out there right now, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He has been very good at plate tracks. He actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken, won stage one and stage two at Daytona this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then crash late. And then at um, intermediates, he's in a couple... You know, we need to talk about the fact that, like... I know we like to rib on him. I like to call him Steakhouse or Spinhouse. He really has not lived up to that reputation of being a, a like a wreck fest or starting them for a couple of years. I remember yeah. when the season started up post COVID. Yeah, and 2020. He wrecked, on, he wrecked on lap one of I think what was it? Darlington. Darlington. Yeah. And so yeah, he looks didn't even like... make it through turn two, <laughs> and we were like on brand. Yeah. But for the most part, he has been solid. And I think the move to a one-card team benefits him. And sure, last week he was uber chalk for cash games. I played him in a lot of I my lives. I mean, it was free PD, right? Yeah, and he only moved up eight spots and finished 28th. But <clears throat> yeah, I think we need to start regarding him more as a solid driver, especially in this new car. Because honestly, a lot of these guys in this mid-range, or not even necessarily the mid-range, but between like low seven, like basically under 8k and all the way down to arguably the high 6k's like Daniel Suarez 6800 this week he got a top 10 last week um, I mean those track house cars have been they've been great ridiculously fast and Chastain's only 8000 this week and he's coming off back to back top 3 finishes where, where he got he almost he almost beat Chase Briscoe yeah last week I mean that was that was crazy Trackhouse is getting a win or two this year. I mean, Cindric at 7,800 on a track that's ostensibly running, that we expect to run like Daytona, coming off a Daytona 500 win, is a little bit nutty. Christopher Bell, by the way, is very, very interesting this week. He's been very good uh, at JGR at Intermediates, and, by the way, has been pretty good at plate tracks. Um, So he's pretty interesting to me. But this mid-tier... Is is pretty. I feel like no matter where Bell starts, he could be a leverage play just because yeah. there's the recency bias. Because in three of the four races this year, he has returned negative points. Yeah. Um, I think he still looks really great, and I don't know. Like I, we could just build so many. I know we are we don't know what to expect, but this this mid range this this range like just straight under eight k. Like yep. we're gonna get winners out of here. We did last week. One guy I'm avoiding is Brad Keselowski. <laughs> Why is that? I'm sorry. The guy can't keep the car on the track. It's like Stenhouse transferred his powers to Keselowski. I mean, he's been 
Yeah, at Daytona, he somehow managed a top 10 finish because he didn't spin. But he, well, I'll tell you how he managed a top 10 finish. He wrecked everybody else out of the race because he spun and just happened to bounce off of somebody and stayed on the track. Everybody else got wrecked out by him. <laughs> but, it, I mean, he's finished 23rd through 27th in the last three, tar- in the last three races. Uh, he's gotten no more than 14 DK points. He's still in the 8K range because I guess they're treading on the fact that it's Kislowski. I don't know, but it's it's pretty tough for me to. I mean, maybe I guess if it races like a plate track, then you sneak Kislowski in there. But somebody's gonna pay him back for spinning him out at some point this year, right? Yeah, Todd Gilliland has finished 19th, 23rd, and 20th in the last three races, and he's still only 5,600 on DraftKings. Yeah, by the way, great run from him at uh, Phoenix. Yeah, very solid run. Fifth, he was, well, he was, uh, his post-qualifying price was 5,400. He put up 38 points. He was very solid. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a litany of ways you can go with this one. Again, if it's more of a plate track, then, yeah, we'll be treading on guys starting towards the back, similar Daytona. Can I ask you a question that's not really pertaining sure. to Atlanta? All right. So we've seen wheels come off the cars numerous times already this year. It happened yep. to Todd Gilliland. His his crew chief has been suspended four races, and he lost a crew member, correct? Yeah, and they lost the appeal. So And the same thing just it's... happened to Corey LaJoy. Does this really have any impact on how you feel about the driver for DFS going forward, or is that something that – we can probably just disregard because Todd Gilliland is giving us value no matter what. Yeah, I think we can disregard it. I think that those happen. The first, I mean, we haven't necessarily seen the impact of it yet. Well, I guess last week we saw a tire come off, right? But the guy hit whose tire popped up. Was it LaJoy's tire last week? <clears throat> I think came so. off the car. He it went flat. He hit it, and then the wheel cracked. I think, and the whole thing popped off the. Um, I think it's just it's still a learning curve with the new wheel. I think there's a lot of stuff that they're going to wind up tweaking with it. Um, from Goodyear and the compound they're using to the fact that there's two different metals between the lug and the actual wheel, which could be why these guys aren't necessarily getting it tight. Because if you, if for those that know, if you put two different, if you try to screw one, uh, metal onto another and they're two different ones you can seize them very quickly like they can freeze and you won't it'll feel like it's tight but it won't go anywhere and it's not all the way tight so you have to use a lot of anti-seize um so like like if you change your own uh spark plugs for example the spark plugs you're screwing into the um into the engine can be a different material than the actual engine block you're screwing them into and so you have to put anti-seize, um, I don't know, lotion or whatever you want to call it, um, on there to keep it from locking up. And so that could be a problem, too. Um, I, it, it's still a learning period for everybody. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not so sure that we're going to have tire problems this week because it's a brand-new surface. So it's mm-hmm. not rough. It's um, but who the heck knows? We saw tire problems at Daytona, too. So, 
Well, for a track we know very little about, we know absolutely nothing about it. Uh, nope. We don't really know Except what to Dan's expect. Dan's going to give you an eyewitness perspective on Sunday because he's going to the race. I will be at the cup race Sunday. I'm not going to the doubleheader on Saturday. I would love to. Uh, maybe in the summer when it's hotter and you know I'm more dehydrated. Uh, but I'll be there for Sunday. So I apologize when I'm not in the Discord leading up to the race Sunday. I'll either be driving or just kind of taking in the new layout. Um, but yeah, 25-minute podcast. Uh, <laughs> we mixed in a little F1, who I think is going to win, just based on the fact that he always wins these quirky new tracks. Uh, any final thoughts or uh, anything to wrap up? No, not not necessarily. I mean, you know, my thoughts will, will evolve throughout the rest of the week. Um, and practice, we'll see qualifying. So uh, keep your eyes out for the NASCAR stuff. I have a season-long betting primer coming out for F1 on Thursday morning. That's over at PicksWise. That's free. And then I'll have picks for the Bahrain GP, if you're interested in that, over on PicksWise as well. Um, and if you want to watch that race because it's on on sunday morning um you can watch it on espn espn will live stream it from they have a deal with sky sports so they will uh you can watch it and it'll be simulcast with sky sports um and then go watch the nascar broadcast and i swear to god please don't compare the two because the f1 broadcasts are way better (laughs) than the cup broadcasts uh there's no commercials in an f1 race uh, yeah, so a lot of times that's why if you follow NASCAR Twitter, you'll find that people who watch F1 get very pissed at the coverage for NASCAR. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you this week uh, with all NASCAR content and F1, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.